To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women, our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this 21st Sunday after Pentecost is the Old Testament reading from Ecclesiastes. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. Whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who truly is our most priceless treasure, my beloved. If I were a rich man, yubby dibby 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 dumb, all day long I'd biddy biddy bum if I were a wealthy man. It goes on to say I wouldn't have to work hard. I'd build a tall house with rooms by the dozen right in the middle of town, a fine tin roof with real wooden floors below. There would be one long staircase just going up and even one longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show. Lord, who made the lion and the lamb, you decreed I should be what I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? I think by now you recognize those are the words of the uh, main character, a guy by the name of Tebby, the dairyman in The Fiddler on the Roof. Have you ever had a dream or a wish? that you just might win the $350 million Powerball jackpot. And I know you've heard me say old people have all sorts of horror stories, you know, that uh, did that, their life went south. But, you know, God, just let me try. I think I could do better. Words before us this morning are from the book of Ecclesiastes. It warns us to be careful what we wish for. The words before us this morning were penned by perhaps the richest man ever to live on the face of the earth. And I'm speaking of none other than King David's son, Solomon. He wrote these words near the very end of his life. And he informs us that when it comes to the possessing of great wealth, he says, been there, done that. Don't want to make the same mistakes again. Listen for a moment to the description that Bible gives us of his great wealth. Solomon had stalls for 40,000 chariot horses. He also had 12,000 chariot soldiers. Each of the governors provided food for one month every year for King Solomon and all who ate at his table. The gold that came to Solomon in one year weighed 49,950 pounds, not counting the gold which came from the merchants, the traders, prophets, all the Arab kings and the governors of the country. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold using 15 pounds of gold on each. The king also made a large ivory throne and covered it with fine gold. Six steps led to the throne. Carved into the back of the throne was a calf's head. There were armrests on both sides of the seat. Two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood on six steps, one on each side. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. 
In today's term, you might say that Solomon had garages after garages after garages, all filled with Maseratis and Lexus and Mercedes-Benz and Rolls-Royce, and he could choose any color, any size, any day. Now, this morning, it would be one thing for me, a member of the economic middle class of the United States of America in 2015, to lecture all of you about what it means to be rich, On the other hand, if we let King Solomon speak to us this morning from experience of having been the richest man in the world, now that would really be something. His words come to us by way of the book of Ecclesiastes, hard to pronounce. Actually, it means the preacher or the teacher. And so King Solomon is preaching to us and teaching us this morning. He starts out with these words in the selection for this morning. Whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless or futile. We should say from the outset this morning that there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with wealth. My goodness, money builds churches. It builds cathedrals. It builds hospitals. But if you love money so much that it becomes your God, that's idol worship and that leads to hell. That's the acute form. Loving money in a more moderate form leads to frustration, anxiety, and worry. King Solomon reminds us that those with great wealth are never satisfied. The late John D. Rockefeller was once asked, how much money does it really take to satisfy a person? He snapped back. He said, always a little more. The message from Ecclesiastes is that if you're not careful, you can get so wrapped up in money that you're no longer wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Solomon reminds us this morning of the frustration or the emptiness. The word that I prefer to use is futility. It's absolute futility looking for lasting happiness that money can buy in a world that doesn't last. It's futile. It's like a dog chasing its tail or you trying to grab onto the wind. It's kind of interesting how Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes uses the word futile or empty or vanity 35 times. You just can't end up grasping Lasting happiness in a place that doesn't last. It wasn't too long ago that I bought my last car. It was one of those new used cars. It smelled new. It was basically new. Took it for a, a, you know, a test drive. I uh, jokingly asked the uh, salesman, I said, Now, all the other cars that I ever bought, they all depreciated, and some of them even got rusty. Is that going to happen to this one? He said, Yeah. Just got back from a wonderful vacation down in Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama, right on the beach. It was planned for about a year, uh, half a year, six months ago, where my three brothers and two sisters and all the spouses would get together, all 12 of us. We grew in faith. We grew in love for one another. It was a wonderful time. We had planned it for six months. It's all over. Happiness in this world is only temporary. Solomon goes on. He says, As the number of goods increase, so do the number of people who consume them. What do owners gain from all their goods except the opportunity 
to look at them. The wealthy finally can have so much money, so much wealth, that they can't use it all themselves. And the only thing they end up doing is just looking at the stuff. Some people who are so wealthy, all they do every day is get up and look at the stock market. How much money have I lost today? My mother-in-law, now sainted, very wise lady. Many times she would tell us, you know, you go out and you see some of those things and you really want them? And then you work hard for them and you go out and get them? And then you got them and then you have them? And then what? I always tell you that the confession is good for the soul. Make a personal confession this morning. It was way back in March. My wife and I went to the home show. And after we came out that evening in the foyer area there, there was a huge art exhibition. And one of the paintings right up front was a painting done by a local artist of Aaron Rodgers. Beautiful, green and gold, tossing a football. I said, I got to have that picture. They said, well, it'd be about $1,500. But if you wait, it's going to go on auction on TV. And there'll be about a hundred of them. I watch TV. I bid. I finally got the picture. I went out and picked it up. It was just a poster. I said, I can't hang it up this way. I got to have a frame. I spent a lot of money on a frame. I hung it in our, our rec room. I looked at it for a while. I said, isn't that very nice? Had a few people over and said, that's a nice uh, picture, Pastor. I got to tell you, I'm not any happier today than I was before I bought the picture. Verse 12. The sleep of working people is sweet, whether they eat a little or a lot. But the full stomachs that rich people have will not allow them to sleep. Extreme wealth causes worry. In fact, people that have so much, they go to bed worried every night. Worry about losing it. Worried about their stock portfolios devaluing. I watch TV. You ever see all the ads that come, uh, come on? Hi, I'm actor Robert Duvane, representing Roslyn Capital. Lear Silver, all encouraging you to go out and get that silver so that you can see it and feel it and touch it in your hands. By Then you'll feel safer. Solomon goes on, verse 13, There is a painful tragedy that I have seen under the sun. Riches lead to the downfall of those who hoard them. These hoarded riches were then lost in bad business deals. The owners had children, but now they have nothing to give them. Wealth can be lost suddenly and easily. Remember the crash of 2008? How much did you lose? A lot of people thought they were on easy street. Now they're not. Remember the housing crash. Everybody thought, oh, a beautiful uh, uh, equity in my home. Now a lot of uh, mortgages are underwater. People can lose all so that they don't even have enough to give to their children. This is one of my favorite parts here. Solomon goes on and he says, they, they came from their mother's womb naked. They will leave as naked as they came. They won't be even to take a handful of their earnings with them for all their hard work. Did you ever notice how there are no trailer hitches on hearses? It's very true. You came naked into the delivery room and you're going to leave naked in the embalming room. I got a chuckle out of one of our Missouri Synod pastors. Recently at one of the conferences, we found out that one of the Concordia benefit plans, benefits, our insurance policies, 
is that there's a funeral benefit for pastors of $10,000. When either you die or your spouse dies, you get $10,000 for funeral costs. He went up to the funeral agent, or the uh, insurance agent, and he said, Hey, this is really great. When I die, I get $10,000. He said, When you die, you get nothing. You work so hard, very, very wealthy, you end up frustration, sickness, resentment, because you can't take it with you. Are any of you guilty of some of the sins of the rich? No matter what economic strata you find yourself in, you bet you are. Just exactly what are you, what are we teaching our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and our nephews? Get the best education so that, you, that you can, so you can get the best job, so you can get the biggest bank account. Or are you teaching them, remember to keep your Savior the number one priority of your life, no matter what. By word and by your example of your life, are you preaching that your Savior Jesus Christ is the number one priority in your life? The message about the Creator who became a creature to rescue us from all of our disobediences of lack of love for Him not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. What are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our grandchildren? What are we teaching our nieces and nephews? Don't get married if you're of the marrying age. Don't get married until you have enough money, which begs the question, how much is enough? And you know what we're actually telling them? Go ahead and live together. Commit adultery. You get to counsel young couples who are intending marriage. A lot of times during uh, the uh, counseling session, I say, uh, well, how many, if you, you can bear children, how many children are you going to have? Oh, one, maybe two. You know, you have to earn enough money to be able to give and treat each child exactly the like. That's selfishness. I want certain comforts, and I'm not willing to sacrifice any of them for the kids. My goodness, no wonder the Lutheran church is shrinking. There are no large families anymore. I remember one time I was in the hospital. I had two nurses working on me, try to insert uh, uh, IV. And we were conversing, and they said, Oh, and Pastor, how many children do you have? I said, Four. They said, What? How can you afford four children? Shame on all of us. Children, besides God and our spouse, are the first treasure of our life. Solomon then ends up this section of Scripture by contrasting the frustration of the very wealthy with the life of the working common man and woman. He goes on and he says... Um, at last I've seen what is good and beautiful. It is to eat and drink and to enjoy the good and all the hard work under the sun during the brief life God gives us. That is our lot in life. It is a gift from God when God gives some people wealth and possessions, the power to enjoy them, the ability to accept their lot in life, and the ability to rejoice in their own hard work. 
these people won't give much thought to their brief lives because God keeps them occupied with joy in their hearts. Solomon wants us to recognize by the grace of God this morning, he wants us to recognize this life for what it is. The world and everything in it is only temporary. Please remember, this is just the journey. It's not the destination. This is the best it gets, Solomon says, this side of eternity. Enjoy the temporary happy times that God gives you here. The laugh of a baby or a cry. The taste of a good meal. Going to work with a healthy body. A good conversation with a friend. Just enjoy. Because both the good times and the bad all pass so quickly. Now, please don't misunderstand the words of King Solomon this morning. He's not calling for, he's not making a call for asceticism, for us to uh, go out and take a vow of poverty and join a monastery. He's just reviewing his life and all the mistakes he made, and he's calling us to faith to recognize that all the gifts that we have come from the gracious hand of the giver. He wants to encourage us to take all of your sins of doubt and worry and dissatisfaction and dump them at the foot of the cross. He he reminds us that by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, our work, whatever it is here on earth, can truly be satisfying because it serves a greater end and is done for a greater purpose than just to collect stuff. Daily toil and material accumulation are the means through which we give thanks to our God and demonstrate our contentment in Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting. The very final words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes probably very close to the end of his life, are these. After having heard it all, this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commands, because this applies to everyone. And that word fear, again, there has that that idea of, wow, you know, uh, the jets flying over Lambeau Field. Wow, I'm glad they're for us. Solomon says, be wowed by God. Be wowed by his poverty. His being born in a barn for you. Be wowed by his poverty. So many times not having a place where to lay his head. Be wowed by his poverty as he hangs virtually naked on the cross for you. And then ask yourselves, how can I serve him? That's the meaning of life. If I were a rich man, If I were a rich one. But you see, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You possess riches that neither moth nor rust can destroy, reserved in heaven for you. If I were a rich one, 
Oh, you truly are. Right now and forever. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs>